there is a graphics editor called Photoshop. And Photoshop, what they do is, is they take this, this technology, they're able to add stuff in, take stuff out. It's this whole thing where they can make certain things appear that weren't there. They can take stuff out that was there. And so they can rem- remove a blemish. Um, they can add all kinds of muscles which I just want to let you know, I've never done. This is au natural right here, okay? You're like, we're not surprised. Though. Like, nothing about that statement shocks us. We see no muscle. But, but we can put an ocean behind somebody. We can do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And you've seen pictures on the web, probably every picture you see in, in a magazine, on a newspaper, like all these different things are Photoshopped to make them look better, to make them look more appealing, more attractive. And it's incredible what you can do with a camera, right? Uh, this past summer, my family and I went on a vacation, and we were in uh, Massachusetts, and I was hiking this mountain with my kids. My kids were like psycho, like exercise on this vacation, and so I'm like just trying to keep up. We're running. We're like doing our best, and they're, they're killing it. I'm just trying to keep up, but then we find this beautiful spot, and I hike this mountain. I have a picture for you of this incredible experience that I had where I hiked up this mountain, and it doesn't look anything like that, um, so... Is that coming? Somebody back there in the world got that picture for me? There it is. So there I am. Look how awesome and epic that looks, right? It looks great until you see the actual picture zoomed out, which is our next shot here. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? So it's incredible how there is this slight tweak of what happened right there. And the funny thing is that is what we do to our lives. This is what we do so often in our lives, right? We Photoshop our life. We live in this Photoshop world. It feels kind of plastic and fake and surreal and impossible. And there's all these emotions that are attached to this. And I think what we try to do is we try to make ourselves look better. And so on Instagram or on social media, we got to find the right filter. We got to find the right angle. And then we're going to post stuff that is only going to make us be painted in the best light possible, right? And then Maybe some of you in the room are like, well, I don't know what Instagram is, and I don't have a phone, I don't use it, like, I'm just living my life. Yeah, but there are still things that we do, and we present ourselves in certain ways, uh, just in person, face-to-face. There are certain ways we talk and communicate with people that we just kind of Photoshop our life, and we try to make ourselves look really, really good. Now, the problem is is that takes its toll on all of us. That takes its toll on those of us who are doing the Photoshopping and those of us who are seeing the Photoshop life in different people's lives. We are all impacted. And in this series, I just want to take a couple weeks, and I want to talk to you about some of the things that come out of this. I want to spend this week and next week talking about two things, one each night, about the things that sometimes we wrestle with because of this Photoshop world we live in. And then, in week three, I'm so passionate about this. At the 11:30, I almost started preaching week three here in my little promo for it. We are going to talk about what it could look like to live a whole different way, right? To almost blow up this system that we're all living in right now of this Photoshop world of connectedness to everybody and everything 24-7, of all this scrolling, clicking, liking, agonizing that we do to ourselves. And we're going to talk about that in week three, if I can contain myself and not get into it more here tonight, because I think it's so powerful, and it could just do something so beautiful for you guys, and especially a lot of young folk here tonight, which nobody in that generation uses the word folk, but, but a lot of you young peeps in the room here, you don't use that word either, but, but that's okay. And what we would love to do is just see this like real life happening, right? Like real life, like there is something going on in your life right now that just feels so fake, and it's not even that you're trying to fake it, it's that you're in a system that is fake, 
What would it look like to deep, you know, you know, pull back from that and, and unplug from that for a little bit and, and get some balance in that and actually live real life? Like, I'm really excited about the potential of that. So that's what we're going to look at. Today, what I want to do is talk with you about one of the most prominent things that comes out of this Photoshop world that we live in, and it's this issue of jealousy. And like I said, whether you use social media or you're on the internet all day or you're never on, this is still a struggle in our lives because we face people in real life or we face people on a screen, and this brings this jealousy out out of us. And the thing about jealousy is it is something that we hate about ourselves. Like the Bible says sin is fun for a season, you know, and there's all kinds of things you and I have done in our lives where sin felt really fun for a little while, right? And we looked at it, we're like, man, that was, a, that was fun, man. I got in trouble and I ended up, the consequences caught up with me, but, but I remember that time, man, it was fun for a little while until the consequences got me or until I felt really convicted or I felt really far from God, right? But jealousy is not that thing. We hate the jealousy inside of us. None of us want this jealousy in us because it, it truly agonizes us. And there's so much to be jealous about. We're jealous because he got the promotion and she got the scholarship and he's so funny and she's so pretty and he gets invited everywhere and she's so musical and we weren't invited to that gathering and everybody had to post all about that gathering. It was all over social media. We got all left out. Another wonderful byproduct of social media are all the places you didn't get invited to and all the things you missed. What a wonderful thing we're doing to ourselves, everybody. And then you have this thought that everybody's Photoshop life on the interwebs are this incredible, perfect expression of their life. And we forget that we look at the highlight reel and compare it with our norm, right? We compare it with our everyday. And they're just like, oh my gosh, every day is something incredible over there. And meanwhile, you're feeling just so normal. The funny thing is, they're feeling the same way. They're looking at everybody else's highlight reel going, oh man, how can I up that? Like, how can I beat that. And so there's this jealousy that comes out of us. And although this whole series is not necessarily designed to like take social media down, so don't sue me Instagram, uh, there is this connectedness between using social media and all the things that are plaguing our and really your generation. John Eldridge, who's a counselor and author, says this, there's an overwhelming non-contested evidence to support the amount of social media you consume and the rising rate of anxiety, depression, and jealousy is a direct correlation. It's literally one-to-one. One. That means every one of us who opens up social media, depression, anxiety, and jealousy rise when we do. Every one of us is a one-to-one one correlation. You use it, you are more jealous, you are more anxious, you are more depressed. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in week three. Not throw it all out, maybe redeem some of it, but then how do we like detach a little from it? How do we learn to monitor this in our life so that these things are not through the roof? By the way, they're through the roof in your generation, many of you guys, more than any generation that's ever lived. One-to-one -one correlation. And I love it. It says in Proverbs 14, 30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy or jealousy rots the bones. So we're chasing that heart at peace stuff, right? Like, how can we get our hearts at peace? And that's what we want to talk about in this series. And as I talk with you about jealousy, and then what I want to speak with you about next week, and then the following week, man, that's what we're aiming at, is guarding these hearts from all the stuff that tries to eat us up. The potential of jealousy is to cause tremendous heartache, right? And the thing about jealousy is, it's not like you just keep digging through jealousy and then you work your, your way out. No, the deeper you find yourself in jealousy, the more of a mess everything else becomes, right? Jealousy times jealousy just equals more jealousy. It's incredible how our jealousy gets multiplied out. 
could God have an answer for this? Could he have something to say about this? And here's what I'm excited about, because here's what I believe. You, I believe, tonight can see through jealousy, see through what it is, see what it's all about, and learn how to dismantle it in your life. Like, I believe that God's word is going to help us leave here tonight going, I know what to do. I know what to do. The next time I feel jealousy, I know what to do with it. Instead of just like, ah, oh man, I, I just, I'm struggling. And you tell your friend about it. And hey, pray for me. and Hold me accountable. That's all great. But we are going to leave here tonight knowing this is what I do the next time I feel jealous. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what you're going to see tonight. You're going to see a story in the Bible. And the people are really messed up. Like, really messed up. And you're going to be in here going, see, this is why I don't like church in the Bible, because it feels like God's okay with all this messed up stuff that I see in the Bible here. I don't understand why God would allow this in the Bible. We're all going to talk about that. But even more than that, I want you to see what God did to rescue us from all the messed up stuff, not only in the Bible, but in our own lives. So we're going to see an amazing story here about jealousy. It shows how destructive it can be and a way to combat it. So some of you guys are going to be familiar with this story, but I pray you'll see it through a different lens. I want you to learn some new stuff tonight, but I also pray that there'll be some things that just jump right out at you. Like I pray for some aha moments as we read maybe a a familiar story in a different way, in a different lens. So there's a man named Jacob, and Jacob loved a girl named Rachel. Now Rachel's dad said, if you want to marry my daughter Rachel, you have to work for me for seven years. Now I always used to think that was pretty messed up. The dude who asked for my daughter's hand in marriage is going to be painting my house. He's going to be digging a pool in my backyard with a shovel. Like, and that's just going to get him his hand, like her hand, right? So he just asked for her hand in marriage. She's got to work like another 25, 30 years for the rest of her, all right? But I'm in on that. So Jacob works for seven years. And I love what the Bible says here. The Bible says that Jacob loved her so much. Jacob loved Rachel so much that it only felt like a few Days. Everybody say, aw. Come on, come on. Say, say Ricky, me and you. Say, aw. Somebody. Somebody's, Ricky's got my back here. Ricky looked down like this on that one. He's like, RVT Fitness is tough, man. I, I don't aw. All right. Now, Rachel, then eventually, it's wedding day time, right? And a lot of you guys know the story. Um, Jacob is tricked into marrying Rachel's sister, right? Dad's like, I could get another seven years out of this joker if I give him Leah, Instead of Rachel, then he's going to work another seven for me. And this is where some of us watching online and here in the room, you're going, this is why I don't like the Bible. Like, why? that's really weird, right? That's really messed up. Who, what father would do that? That's so strange. And what I have to tell you is that several times in the story today, and if you've been around for a while, you've heard me explain this before, and I pray this really sticks with you if you're newer to us. The Bible here is describing something, not prescribing something. What that means is it's describing what happened in history. It's not prescribing that you and I follow through and do what they did, Okay. So often in the scripture, and even in this story, we're going to see things like slavery, we're going to see polygamy, uh, we're going to see incredible lying, manipulation, we're going to see horrific jealousy. The Bible is not saying, go do all this stuff. No, the Bible is describing what was done to warn us and show us that if we only would do it God's way, we would save ourselves and spare ourselves so much pain. And so that's what we see here in the story tonight. And so eventually, Jacob works the next seven. It felt like a few days. They get married. And now you have Jacob in a marriage with Rachel and Leah. If, it's, if that's not enough, you begin to see that God looks at Leah and recognizes something. He recognizes that Jacob loves Rachel, but not Leah. 
And so there's this jealousy between Leah and Rachel, and God sees this, and so he enables Leah to be able to have a baby, but Rachel can still not. And it says this in Genesis 30, verse 1, Rachel saw she could not have children for Jacob, and she became jealous, is our word, jealous of her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Now, hold up just for a minute here. I just want to say, because this is a sensitive topic, it is a good and godly thing to want kids. It's a good and godly thing to want to have children. It's a beautiful thing to be a parent. And maybe some of you here or in the room, you've been trying to have a child or you think to the future and there's something you're waiting on, though it might not be a child, it's something else, something else somebody has you really want, this jealousy issue thing arises. I just want to say, if this is something you've struggled with, I want to let you know that though my wife and I were blessed to have kids, um, it took us longer than we thought and hoped, and also had, we had several miscarriages along the way. So as, as I go through a story, kind of based around this story or in this theme, I just want to let you know that I'm so sorry if this is something you've wrestled with, and I just want to let you know there's other people in the room like me who's wrestled with this as well, and I want to just paint some hope for you. And for those of you guys who are like, I ain't no ready for a child yet, just hang in there because I want to paint some hope for you for some of the things you are waiting on. goes on. Jacob became angry with Rachel and asked. Now I'm just going to pause here. I'm going to pause right here. Because what Jacob's about to say helps us blow up jealousy, helps us see through it and know how to dismantle it. Are you ready for this next thing that Jacob is about to say? This is incredible. So Rachel's freaking out. She's all angry. She comes to Jacob. She says, I can't handle this. I want a child. If I don't get a child, I'm going to die. And Jacob says this, and it's so powerful. Can I take the place of God? Who has kept you from having children? Can I take the place of God who has kept you from having children? Did everybody hear that? See, this is incredible. This is so powerful. You see, because what you and I do when we get jealous is we look at a person who has what we want and we then become upset with them and we take all of our anger out on this person who has what we want. Right? So here's what we've always believed. We've always believed that if we have a problem with jealousy, we have a problem with a person. It's that person right over there. What Jacob just helped us realize, and this is so big, please grab a hold of this. Jacob helped us realize that when you have a problem with jealousy, you don't have a problem with a person, you have a problem with God. You have a problem with God. Why? Because jealousy says, you owe me, right? You ever thought about the fact that you and I sometimes treat people really badly because they have something that we want and don't have, and so we decide to treat them badly? Why? Because we're looking at that person saying, hey, you owe me. I am deserved this thing, and you owe me. And what we have to realize tonight, and Jacob helps us realize this, is that truly what we're saying is not you over there who have this thing I want owe me. We're actually saying, God, you owe me. You owe me. And isn't it interesting that for some reason when we feel that God owes us, we take it out on them because we never connected those dots before. And so Jacob is, is standing there saying, wait, 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 uh, you're jealous of your sister. She's not the one who's kept you from having a child. And, and you're kind of freaking out on me and, and Rachel, maybe you're freaking out a little bit on yourself, blaming yourself, I don't know. But, but at the end of the day, the conversation that needs to be had is between you and God. What we're discovering is a jealousy problem is not a problem with a person, a problem with God. So, for example, I have done this thing with my kids, uh, really when they were earlier, late nights with dad, right? We don't really do it much anymore because they're up later than me now, and I'm just like, put me to bed. <laughs> so, but, but when they were younger, man, I remember Cade, who, who played bass and keys tonight, just a little dude, little dude, and uh, maybe, I don't know, five, six years old. 
And I was so excited. I was going to take him out to see Karate Kid, the movie. Not the old school Ralph Macchio 80s one, like new school, like uh, Will Smith's son or something like that. Some dude was in it. I don't know. And so I was like, all right, man, this is going to be so awesome. But I wanted him to fall asleep, and then I wanted to wake him up, and I wanted it to be really late. So I found the latest showing I could find on Long Island. And I go, and I'm like, Kate, 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 wake up, wake up. And he's like, Mah. you know, I was like, Kate, Kate, come on, wake up. And, and, and I said, buddy, I want to take you to the movies. I'm like, you want to go? He's like, uh-huh. And he's like, back to sleep again, you know. So I was like, all right, bro, I'm going to put you up over my shoulder if I have to, or I'm just going to take your mom. We're going to go out on a date and leave you here, and then that'll be really bad. But, but I finally got Kate up, and we get out to the movies, and we got popcorn and soda and Twizzlers and the whole thing. We stayed up, and it was just this incredible night, late night with Dad, right? And then I've done that with, with uh, Brynn and Landon, too. Brynn, Brynn loves basketball, so we taped, like, the All-Star game in the NBA, and then we'd, we'd make everybody else go to bed, and then we'd stay up late and watch it. All right? Landon loves baseball, so we'd stay up late on a school night and watch the World Series. It'd be a mess the whole next day. It was wonderful. But, but we would do these late-night hangouts with Dad, right? And the thing was, everybody else had to go to sleep, Right? You know, so, so if it was Cade's turn, Brandon would be like, I want to stay up. I'd be like, go to bed, you know. My wife Kelly would be like, I want to stay up. I'd be like, go to bed, woman. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just kidding. That'd be really bad. No, we would hang out, right? But here's what would so often happen, right? If it was Bryn's hangout, the next day we'd all wake up, and Cade and Land would be throwing daggers at Bryn, right? Because she got to hang out. She got to stay up late. But isn't it funny, right? Because the truth is, who's the one who kept them from staying up late, right? That was me, right? So they don't have a problem ultimately with Bryn and Lannon or Cade, whoever that was. Really, they have a problem with me. I was the one who kept them from being able to do what they wanted to do in that moment. When they had a problem with a person, it was actually an issue with their dad. I'm just telling you, when you and I have a jealousy issue, it is not an issue with a person. It's an issue with our heavenly Dad, it's an issue with our Heavenly Father. It's an issue with God, right? Just think about it. You're jealous because somebody is really funny, right? Well, well, it's not their fault that you're not funny, right? You're jealous of somebody who's really musical, but, but that they, I mean, that, that they were born with these incredible, like, drive, just, like, natural ability and talent. Jamie was, like, seven years old. She was like, Lolly. like, it was just, like, you know, just, like, blow. I remember hearing her at Smithtown Christian Chapel. I was like, what the heck just happened? You know, like, crazy, like, just born with this God-given talent, right? And so we look at others, like, I wish I could, you know, I wish I looked like them. Well, it's not their fault they don't look like you, you know? And so at the end of the day, who made you without good comic timing? God. Right? Who, who made you without musical inclinations? God, ultimately, right? I mean, you want to look like them, right? Everybody with curly hair wants straight hair, and straight hair wants curly hair. I just take some hair. Like, I, I'll Twizzlers, the peeling, pulling peel them on my head. I don't know, just something up there would be great. Who made you without those things? Not the person, right? It, it, it was God, ultimately. So jealousy is not an issue with the person. It's an issue with God. Rachel's problem wasn't with Leah. It was with God. And here's what we do. We turn our dissatisfaction with the way God's made us against people we wish he made us like. That's really what jealousy is. Now, here's a big problem. Some of you guys are going, Doug, I got to be honest, you're not really helping me tonight because you're you're helping me in that I'm realizing I gotta stop being mad at them, but now I'm mad at him, right? Like now I'm angry at God. You're telling me I don't have an issue with a person, but now I have an issue with God. So isn't that like even worse? Well, I guess you could decide to have an issue with God, but I think what might be a better solution would be if you would go to God and say, God, I'm, 
I'm really hurt and broken that I don't have this or that. God, it kills me. It eats me up inside that that person has what I want. It's really difficult and painful for me. But God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring the hurt to you, and I'm going to bring the pain to you, and I'm going to ask you to help me see the story you're writing for me. You see, there's a reason you weren't born funny or musical or as good-looking or as successful or with this bank account or with the house that's 7,000 square feet or the car that you, the car of your dreams. And, right? There's a reason because there's a story God is writing for you. There's a story God is writing for me. It's specific to us. Rachel wasn't Leah. Leah wasn't Rachel. And what if the moment she realized Leah was having a kid, she celebrated it? And she had a conversation with God. She said, Lord, this is hard. This hurts, but I'm going to trust that you're doing something in me, that you have a plan and a purpose for me, for me specifically, a story you're writing just for me. And I don't want to have a problem with you, and I don't want to have a problem with them, but I'm going to need to talk this out with you probably a lot. I can tell you this. I've, I've done this the wrong way so many times. In college, I had two relationships destroyed because of jealousy. The first one, my very best friend, I grew up with this kid from the fourth grade through high school. Uh, we should have gotten kicked out of Smithtown Christian numerous times because of the crazy shenanigans we pulled. God's grace kept us in school. Um, we had a, a great first semester at college, and then by second semester in college, our relationship and friendship of all those years was completely destroyed over jealousy over a relationship. I can think of another really good friend who I also should have been kicked out of Smithtown Christian with, and we ended up going to college together. And um, I was just jealous of this guy because he was just so good at everything. Like, he was so funny, and he was so talented, and he could play music, and he could do art, and he just made everybody laugh, and the girls this, and that. And I literally ended up moving out of the dorm I, I roomed in with him, largely because of jealousy. Like, I've done this the wrong way. Okay, but here is a better option, seeing through the jealousy. I don't have a problem with the person. I didn't have a problem with that guy in my dorm. Ultimately, I had a problem with God because he made this dude so much more talented, funny, and better looking, right? What if I had gone to God? Man, I wish I had. I so wish I had. Now, you're, hit, you're hearing this and you're going, okay, cool. Um, sounds like a good plan. But what I want to do for a few minutes is if anybody in here is like, my goal is to really like ruin my life. I want to show you that way. I, I want to choose the hard way, Doug. I hear what you're saying. I should probably have a conversation with God. I should probably talk this out with him. And he's going to end up healing my heart. And he's going to remind me of the plan that he's writing for me. But I'd rather really just make a complete mess of my life. That's what we're going to see now. Verse 3. She said, Rachel said to Jacob, here's my servant Bilhah. Sleep with her. She can have children for me. And I can build a family for myself through her. Right? You're not looking at this going, no, 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 no. No, this is a horrible idea. So now she's taking her slave and saying, okay, here, husband, take this slave and sleep with her so we can have a kid together. Right? Again, God's not okay with this. God's not okay with the slavery. God's not okay with cheating on the husband. God's not okay with what's happening here. Again, describing, not prescribing. But let's think about what Rachel's doing here. She's manipulating. And I want to give you a warning. Jealousy causes us to take things out of God's hands and into our own hands. And I want to give you another warning. When we do that, we destroy everything. We destroy everything. We make a horrible mess. 
And so we were jealous because they had more money than us. And so we worked way more hours than we should have to try to get as much money as they have because there's some kind of weird status thing we've got to achieve here, obviously. And we ended up destroying our marriage, right? Or maybe there's this popular person in our school or at work and we just spread a little rumor just to kind of, you know, like make people like them a little bit less and we got found out and it ended up blowing up back in our face. See, when we manipulate, we destroy things. We make a big mess. Verse four, so she gave him her slave Bilhah as his wife and Jacob slept with her. Bilhah became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Jacob. Verse six, Rachel said, now God has judged in my favor. He's heard my prayer and has given me a son. So she named him Dan, which means he judges. Warning, jealousy causes us to give God credit for things that actually break his heart. Here's Rachel going, oh man, finally, this all worked out. I'm good. And and God saw me and look what God did. Oh, no, 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 Rachel, you couldn't give birth to a child, but you gave birth to this out of your jealousy. You gave birth to this mess and you're breaking your family apart. Verse seven, Rachel's slave Bilhah became pregnant again, pregnant again and gave birth to a second son for Jacob. Rachel said, I've had a great struggle with my sister and I've won. And look how like demented this is. So she named him Naphtali, which means my struggle. And you and I are all saying, you haven't won here. Can we just think for a second about this? Why did Rachel start this whole thing in the first place? Because she was jealous Leah could have a kid and she couldn't have a child yet, right? Well, wouldn't it stand to reason then that now Rachel's not just jealous of Leah, she's also jealous of her slave that was able to have a child as well? Because jealousy times jealousy equals more jealousy. Jealousy multiplies jealousy out. Verse nine, when Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her slave Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as his wife. Can we please get off the crazy train, right? This is madness, Well, it's madness as long as we don't think about ourselves, right? It's madness in this story, but we don't do anything like this. Well, maybe not to that level, but man, some singles in the room. You liked Jen, Jen liked Rob, Rob liked Audra. So you dated Audra just to get mad back at Rob. Rob didn't even know you liked Jen. Like it's a whole like, what is going on? at the office and all you got to do is just like whisper like this one guy this guy's like a rock star man he was like born to do this job and you are like working hard you're doing well but if you could just sow a little doubt in your boss's mind about his ability to perform and come through you might get the next big uh, account instead of him right We, we do this we know how to manipulate just like this verse 10 Leah's slave Zilpah gave birth to a son for Jacob. Leah said, I've been lucky. So she called him Gad, which means luck. Leah's slave Zilpah gave birth to her second son for Jacob. Leah said, I've been blessed. Women will call me blessed. So she named him Asher, which means blessing. So Rachel's jealousy and her reaction now caused Leah to be jealous and take her slave and give him to Jacob. And so now we have to think that Leah must be jealous of Rachel's servant and of Leah's servant and Rachel's jealous of Leah, her own servant, and Leah's servant because jealousy multiplies jealousy. And I do have to bring up the fact that Jacob needs a severe beating at this point. This guy's just like, what am I doing with who? Sounds good. Like, seriously? Jacob. Yo, Jacob. Verse 14. It gets weirder. During the wheat harvest... Reuben went out into the field and found some mandrakes. I love that that verse is in the Bible. (laughs) He brought them to his mother, Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Leah replied, isn't it enough you took my husband? Are you also going to take my son's mandrakes? 
Rachel said, very well, Jacob can go to bed with you tonight and return for your son's mandrakes. Wow, like we're on a different planet. Classic Jewish commentaries tell us that they believe that mandrakes could help women conceive. And so that was the whole play here. It was, oh man, if I, I'll give you my husband for the night, but I'm going to get those mandrakes because I'm still fighting to manipulate this, right? And, and in Hebrew, this mandrake actually meant love plan. And so there was this whole idea like, okay, this is going to take care of this issue in my life, right? In the next few verses, there are some more kids produced, as probably is not surprising to you. But then verse 22, man, so powerful. You ready for verse 22? Then God remembered Rachel. Then God remembered your story. Like I just think about the the agony Rachel went through, the, the manipulation and all the different things she did to try to make things better. And God was gonna remember her all along. God was writing a story for her all along. God had a plan all along. In fact, it goes on. God answered her prayer and made it possible for her to have children. So she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Then she said, God's taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph, which means may he give another, and said, may the Lord give me another. And I just think about all this jealousy. I think about all the, the rage and all the gross, jealous brokenness that came out of this whole situation and the way this family treated one another and, and the way we look at this now, centuries later, thousands of years later, and we look at it and we're like, what was happening here? But it was all because Rachel thought she had a Leah problem when she actually had a God problem. If she'd only stopped herself, right? If she'd only stopped herself and, and been able to celebrate, and she would have had to do it you know, with, with a brokenness in her heart. She could have put her arm around her sister and said, Leah, I'm so happy for you. And her heart would have been breaking as she said those words, right? But how much pain could she have spared her and her husband and her family if she had just said, you know, God, I, I have a problem with you. I feel like you owe me. Ultimately, I know you don't owe me anything, but I feel like you do, and this just hurts. And so, God, I'm gonna need you to help me navigate this. Because, man, my jealousy is eating me up inside, and all I want to do is manipulate this situation. I'm going to instead trust you. And I'm going to believe you're writing a story for me that's different than Leah, and that you have something powerful for me. And I just want to say, there, there's a, a time when, you know, almost like what was written here could be written for you. God remembered your situation. God remembered that thing that you've been waiting on. Just this past week, I've heard several testimonies from friends about ways God's come through on things people have been waiting on. And I'm really thankful to say, like super proud of these friends because they did the opposite of Rachel. They didn't manipulate, they waited. And God's provided, and God's come through, and God's worked. Unfortunately, the trouble isn't over yet. I'm just gonna summarize it real quickly for you. I don't know if when I said what Rachel's son's name was, he kind of thought about a certain story in the Bible, but his name was Joseph, right? Now, where Joseph, that name Joseph should remind you of a story you probably heard in Sunday school if you went, or if you've been around church for a while, you probably heard this at you know, VBS or Kids Week or something about this guy Joseph who was so hated because of the jealousy of his brothers, he was sold into slavery, and they told his dad he was killed. Remember that, Joseph? Yeah, that's Rachel's son. And the brothers who sold Joseph were Leah's sons. Isn't it crazy that because of the way this was all handled, the jealousy was passed on to the next generation? There's another crazy, horrifying story that comes to the next generation because instead of doing things God's way, people just kept on doing it their own way. 
Man, I so wish Rachel had just had a conversation with God. I so wish she had realized it wasn't an issue with the person, it was an issue with God. And she had had that talk and said, Lord, here's where I'm at. I need you. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I need you. I so wish we would do that. I so think that that's exactly what we've got to do. And what I want to say to you tonight, I pray this kind of sticks in your mind, is the remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. Like that's what finally will get you through it. I think we've seen through it tonight. We've seen it for what it is. And that's like half the battle, just realizing, oh, wait, my jealousy is aimed at them. No, 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 I've got to have a conversation with him. And so that's a huge, huge part of this. But what's going to do it is now this conversation, I think it's ongoing. It's an ongoing thing. God, I wake up and I walk outside my 800 you know, square foot apartment and I look at this 5,000 square foot house next to me every single day and I just want that so bad, Lord. And houses don't move, like it's not going anywhere. So if you could just change me. God, I work with this person. They drive me nuts. I can't even handle it anymore because they're just so good at it all. Or maybe they're not, but the boss at least thinks they are. And every time I walk in, I just want to knock somebody out. So Lord, I just need you to help me work through this. Help me to celebrate them. Help me to encourage them. Because the remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. So I'm going to stop taking it out on that person. Here's my guess. In your lifetime, somebody has treated you badly because they've been jealous of you. And I think in that moment, we all want to go, but it's not like, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but like, I didn't do anything to you. I'm nothing but nice to you. And I'm sorry you don't have what I have right now, but like, just give me a fair break here. Now we have to turn that thought process around on the people we're jealous of. We have to go, okay, wait, it's not their fault, and and they've been nothing but kind to me. And if they haven't been, well, that's a whole separate issue, and that's something to work through and pray through. But most of the time, these people aren't necessarily doing things out of anger against us. They just have what we don't have. And so we turn that around and realize, okay, man, i got to give that to God. We stop trying to control situations because we're just going to multiply our jealousy and our sorrows. And guys, we got to just remember, God has created you for a unique purpose. The most honest and vulnerable I can be about the jealousy in my own heart, and I don't really want to share this part, it's been my least favorite part of the message all day long, is just the success of other pastors, which is so gross to say. I feel so like embarrassed saying that in front of you. You know, like people who were my colleagues and friends. I had lunch with four pastors this week, and we laughed half the time. We talked about church half the time. We encouraged each other. We're, we're lifting each other up in prayer. Like it was beautiful. I'm so thankful. I have so many great pastor friends on Long Island but some of them have what I want, man. They've got like 10 times the size of the property we have. They've got how many people? This guy got asked to speak where? Like those are just the gross places of my own heart. And I guess I'm a little comforted by the fact that you probably got some gross places like that too. And what I've got to do is not like pull back from these pastors or badmouth them or try to destroy their reputation. No, I've got to celebrate them. And I've got to have a conversation with God. And say, you know what, God, like, I just wish, and I, but it's in those moments, God always just pours back into me, Doug, I know you wish that, but like, at the end of the day, like, God's really challenged me on this. Do you really want to be that person? Like, I'm not just talking about their success in church. Like, look at the whole picture. Do you really want to be them? And I, I stop, and I just think, like, no, nah, I'm actually grateful I'm me. I'm grateful there's a unique story here that you're writing for me, for our church, that we're in this really cool spot where you are doing something new. We've got this property up the street. There's all this momentum. There's all this excitement. I'm thankful for what you're writing for me. But that only comes when I have the conversation with God. And so that's what I'm calling you guys to do.
The remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. It is not an issue with them. It's an issue with him. Have the conversation as many times as you need to. I believe there's going to be healing there. I believe you're going to get some vision and excitement for your own story. And I really think it might even get to the point where you're able to celebrate the person. That's an assignment for the week. Celebrate the people that you're most jealous of. Write a nice little Instagram post about some of the people you're most jealous of. Just don't do it of the people here in the room because they're in on the plan, okay? <laughs> like, wow, Ricky made a post about me. It was really nice. He must really not like me. Like, no, no, no. Let's uh, get people who aren't in the room, all right? But what would that look like? We start to celebrate what God's doing in other people's lives. Watch the power of jealousy break. And we won't cause ourselves all kinds of heartache. I'm going to continue the conversation next week with another area of our life we struggle with because of this Photoshop world. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, watching online, watching here in the room, hanging out with us live in person, I just want to say this. You've heard some messed up stuff tonight, right? Like this is some wacky stuff. You're like, wow, I got to read the Bible more. That was really interesting. Um, I just want to say this. Polygamy, um, sex out of marriage, jealousy, anger, manipulation, like all the crazy stuff we saw, very broken people. And Jesus got on a cross for all that. Jesus died for all of that. And he also died for all the broken stuff in you and me. And so if you want a gift of salvation that leads to freedom and hope in him, then I would love for you to pray with me now. I'd love for you to ask Jesus to be your savior. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to lead you through a prayer in just a minute. And we're going to pray about this jealousy stuff. And we're going to lean into what God has for us because the remedy for jealousy is a conversation with God. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful that there's an answer for all this stuff. We're so thankful, God that you have a specific story for every person in this room. You're writing something unique. And I thank you, God, that there are no other shoes for us to fill but the ones that you've placed us in. And I pray, God, that'll be something we cherish. That'll be something we get a vision for, something we're excited about. That we can do something one way and somebody else can do it another way. Somebody else can have something we want. They can have the status or the relationship or the child or the marriage or the money or the house or the career. They can have all that. But God, there's something specific you're writing for us. It's a beautiful, perfect, wonderful story of redemption for each and every one of our lives. Even the broken things, God, you're writing hope into. And so we ask you for help. We ask you, God, for grace. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to think about somebody you're jealous of right now. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray blessing over them. I want you to pray that God would give you the grace to celebrate them publicly. I want you to pray that God would help you come to him when you have a jealousy issue. And not just from afar treat somebody badly that has nothing to do with it. Say, Lord, help me to have those honest conversations with you and break the power of jealousy in my life. If you're not a father of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in him. You can pray something like this with me. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you for dying for the mess that we read about tonight in scripture, for all the broken things that have happened throughout history. Thank you for being willing to bear that sin so that we could all be free. And Jesus, I'm asking that I will know what it looks like to follow you, that you'll teach me and show me what it looks like to be a Jesus follower. And I thank you for this amazing gift of salvation. In your name I pray.